Hey, Steve. Really good to be back. Hey, everyone. Um, it's Denali from Green Queen, back for another edition of Alt Protein Weekly Live. So, Steve, last week we recorded right before the big, the big news. <laughs> we did. And I was blown away. I never, so what you're alluding to is we, we were talking, we were saying, oh, this is a big deal. We're one step closer to full approval for cultivated meat. And then in the amount of time it took for us to finish recording and then put it out there, which is like, what, like 12 hours or something? Yeah, that's right. We record we 12 about, hours before it goes live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we talked about immediately became obsolete because the full approval came out for just or good meat and for upside. And yeah, we were obsolete. Our discussion was. was <laughs> well, I think that there's some stuff in the discussion we can keep. I mean, let's just call this an historic moment. Obviously, it got coverage all over the world and the U.S. media went nuts. Uh, so just just for everyone listening, in case you're not you know, obsessed with cultivated meat, as, as uh, Steve and I are, it's the first regulatory approver for cultivated meat in the United States, the only other country that has regulatory approval is Singapore, which gave approval to Good Meat, which is a, a, sub, a subsidiary of Eat Just back in December 2020. Um, Good Meat is one of the companies that is getting the approval, that got the approval in the US, as is Upside Foods, um, which is the first US cultivated meat company ever. It, it started off its life called Memphis as Memphis Foods. And fun trivia, I believe it is officially the first cultivated meat company in the world even though Dr. Mark's post first invented cultivated meat and then started Mosa meat in the Netherlands, I believe incorporation wise upside formerly Memphis was the first. Um, so big, big deal, long process, although not that long, if you think about how young the technology is, right. And, and also I think what was surprising was a lot of us in the industry didn't think that it would be so fast between the label approval and the full approval. I think some of us thought probably a few weeks, maybe a couple months, but this was literally like, you know, 10 days. So it was like label approval and then inspection. Um, it What does this mean? It means that soon US consumers are gonna be able to try cultivated meat. Um, Jose Andres's restaurant in DC for for uh, good meat and uh, Do Chef Dominique Crenn in, in California, right, for uh, upside. So this is, this is a big deal. Um, it, it's a huge deal. I think it, it, it really cements the fact that there's progress being made, especially at a time when funding is really has dried up a lot in the space and investors are kind of sitting on their, their cash and not really putting it out to use as much with, you know, the hype wearing off for some things. It's, it's good to see such a major, uh, approval come through. And, and I think cultivated meat is probably going to have kind of a second win this year. Um, also let's be clear that, you know, nobody will, would say this on record, but I think a lot of other governments have been watching the U S, um, to see what's, what are they going to do about cultivated meat? And so this is, this is a green light in the U S, but it, it, it's probably likely to be a, uh, you know, a bit of an accelerant for other regulators across the world. And, and there's going to be some attend more attention, certainly. Um, especially in, I think, other countries in Asia and the Middle East where food security and food sovereignty is a concern. Um, and this is a technology that, you know, can, can promise to do a lot with that. So it, it's, it's a huge deal, but I don't think everything we said last week can be 
um, you know, is, is moot. I think that we talked a lot about the fact that the industry still has a long way to go to scale and a mm -hmm. lot of challenges to overcome around the growth medium and the, and the tech, you know, the, the infrastructure and the bioreactor um, capacity. So I think regulatory was maybe not even the biggest challenge that some of these companies were facing. So it's a great signal. It's a positive moment. It's a huge kind of exciting moment for the future of food, just because this is something that for most people was sci-fi a few years ago. You know, this is something that Star Trek alluded to, you know, decades mm -hmm. ago, and, and now, you know, this is happening. But this, what we said last week about scale is it remains true. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, but this is a big deal. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm the most excited about this mainly just because for so many years, it's when, when can people eat this? So yeah, maybe this is not the biggest scale in the world and it's still going to take a super long time for the, to be something that's a, a decent portion of the food system, but we're going to be able to find out what consumers think. What, what, not just like what people on the inside think, but what consumers think, how do restaurants think about this and how does, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm repeating myself. All I care about is what consumers think. That's the only thing that matters. And now we can finally figure it out, even at a small scale. So that's, that's exciting. Absolutely. And that leads us to our next story, the big story this week. Um, O-Meat is a startup that's just come out of stealth. Uh, it is a fascinating new approach to cultivated meat. Uh, the startup promises to basically uh, use happy cows that it is that it is saving from slaughter on its own farm, um, where it draws plasma from their blood in a humane and what it says is painless way, and uses that plasma. Um, from the from adult cows um that are that are that are basically on regenerative pasture fed land um if i'm saying this right i mean basically the cows are happy it's a, the, the soil situation is good and the idea is to use that plasma as the medium to replace the fetal bovine serum that a lot of early cultivated meat companies were using. Though it must be said, many cultivated meat companies are now using plant-based mediums. Um, so 40 million in funding, um, the, the startup's been worked on for a while. Uh, it's, it, it's, certainly, it's certainly a new, uh, a new way to approach cultivated meat. What are your thoughts yeah. on that on the story? This is probably one of the, the least black and white companies or approaches that I've come across in a very long time. And what I mean by that is a lot of times I, I and others are very quickly like, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. And this brings up so many questions and even like, even like philosophical discussions on, is this the right step forward is this the in the best interest of the food system of the environment of animals maybe yes maybe no there's there's a lot of questions to be answered to be answered um but on i think about it in, in in two ways so one on the business side and then one on the impact side so on the business side okay cultivated meat it's going to be hard to scale growth factors within growth media are the most expensive component at this point so we got to get those costs down they figured out a way, apparently, I haven't vetted any of this, but they figured out a way to do that using live animals, taking the plasma, all that, right? Um, 
So, okay, from a scaling standpoint, that could be huge. From a business standpoint, that could be huge. Reaching price parity for cultivated beef or meat in general could be more feasible. So that seems really interesting. I would have thought they would take a B2B approach and become a growth media company and selling this, this plasma or these growth factors to anybody, any company in the space, but they want to be vertically integrated and make their own meat. Okay, fine. Um, on the questionable side, I still see this as an animal husbandry business, right? They're, if, if they need to own hundreds of thousands or millions of cows at some point, they have to literally have all the resources of an animal husbandry business. So how does that look? How does that scale? Um, what, are, what are the business things associated with that? But on the business side, that I, I'm, I'm thinking it's interesting it's it makes sense but what do you think about the business side of this did you think this would be a b2c company or creating an end product or do you think this was going to be b2b um i guess i'd been hearing a little bit about it and i'd sort of found out about it a while ago about this company but i couldn't find any details so i, I had an inkling that they were working towards the beef burger um mm. so i kind of didn't didn't kind of ask myself the B2B question, though it is an interesting one. And it, from a just pure business play, why, you know, why wouldn't you do that, right? Um, but you said that you had, that that the founder is is quite well known in the tissue world. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, that's another thing to hit on. Um, I I had not heard of him before. I'm not a, from the, the science community, but I have good friends who are, especially from the tissue engineering space, the cultivated meat space. And some have said that the founder um, is just one of the best, if not one of the, if not the best uh, in the tissue engineering space, right? So them being able to raise real like right. large quantities of dollars from S2G, Tyson, and other, other really good players. I'm not surprised. It's, at the early stage, it's all about team, right? And IP is important, but if you have the right team, that's, that's the most important. But um, so- Sounds like they've they've built this with a, a really good team, which is yeah. Which actually, is one of the guys on the team is is a is a guy who used to will he used to be the head of or a, a VP of marketing at at Beyond Meat. Not bad. Yeah, <laughs> if you're, yeah. If you're gonna try to sell a product to consumers. That's not a bad profile to have. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I interviewed him years ago when he when he was at Beyond. Um, will Schaefer, really really nice guy. Um certainly very very you know uh nice cap table and you know it's 40 million so it's a lot of money to come out of stealth with so certainly i think a lot of a lot of interest in the technology yeah. and in how they're going to do this i think if you start thinking about it from an impact point of view that's their whole argument right um and and, and we, this is where things get get a well, little this, yeah this is where things gray, get a little right? bit interesting i think it gets a little blurry here because you know traditionally i mean traditionally this is a space that's like six years old but basically <laughs> all protein the kind of the the ethos the feeling of the ethos is reduce animals in the food system right and so in this sense you are reducing animals but you're not removing animals and so then mm -hmm. you're getting into well how are you getting using these animals and how are they being treated and are they happy and the idea here is i think they're they're saving them from slaughter and that the 
the farm is essentially like a, a form of an animal sanctuary. And so obviously that all sounds great. I think, you know, can that scale? Um, yeah. um, and then all the other questions around cultivated meat still apply. You know, what about the bioreactor situation and, and you know, how, what's the what's that plan of, of attack? And, you know, I'm also interested in does this plasma work for all types of meat mm. or is it, are they, is it for beef only? And then would you be doing this with other animals? And then like, obviously I've spoken to all kinds of people this week about, about the news and, you know, I've definitely had ethical vegans kind of ask me, well, you know, what do we know about, is it painful for the cows to get the plasma taken from them and what does it involve? And, I had someone compare it to, you know, a human giving blood and, and, you know, this is where, and of course the idea for the space is really to reduce. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think from that point of view, there's a lot, there's a lot of great promises in, in what Omid is saying. Right. Because I yeah. think we were talking before you were sharing the numbers, the idea is to get it down by 95%. So if this could, yeah, and that could be huge, that could be like 95% fewer cows. Right. And like, what does that mean? Right. 95% fewer cows. It's like taking numbers from just what I find online that there's, I've, I've seen numbers saying there's 1.5 billion cows that are raised and killed each year. Right. For, for, for meat, 1.5 billion. So if Omi can do what they're saying they can do and reduce that by 95%, that means that they in, in essence can create the same amount of meat with 75 million cows. So that means there's 1.425 billion cows that would no longer be required to be raised and 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 killed for for meat. And not even just like and I don't even want to skip over the raising part so quickly. That's a lot of the issue for some people who don't eat meat. It's the lifestyle that the animals are experiencing while they're being raised. That it's a bad lifestyle, right? But we're not going to get into like the, the philosophical no, there, discussion. No, I think there's a big philosophical discussion to be had here, but that is really more to do with where your veganism lies or whether mm -hmm. where your animal welfare views lie. And everyone, right. from what I can tell, people have different lines there, draw different lines there, like with everything in, in the world, right? So for some yep. people, you know, we shouldn't be using animals at all. Um, for for right. others, you know, if the animal is treated well, there's an argument to be made that it that it's all right. So so I think that's a whole separate discussion. But certainly, Omit is is making some bold promises. It's a really innovative technology. Um, I think you said earlier when we were talking previously that this is the first kind of different technology you've seen in a long time in the cultivated space. Mm -hmm. um, but I think very exciting. Very exciting news. Lot let let's let's uh one to watch closely. Um one to watch but, but there's definitely still, you know, a lot of questions and a lot of maybes and a lot of right. promises, which which is gonna be interesting to watch. But certainly solid team, interesting and and you know, attractive cap table and innovative mm -hmm. technology. One to watch. Yeah. And the only thing I'll end it on for, for just, I mean, then we can move on. It's just this idea that we were talking about a lot about what vegans think of this. If does it meet their ethical standards and all that? I, I don't need animal products, right? I don't do it for environmental and for animal welfare reasons, but anybody listening to this, we should all remember that at the end of the day, 
it's not vegans and veg vegetarians who we are trying to attract away from conventional animal product um, processes. It's it's the people who do eat meat meat. So um, it's that's I, I don't have an answer to any of this and if O meat will be successful, but um, we the the blurred lines around veganism and all of that um, at some point is not the key focus of why these companies are being created. So it's uh, it's a really interesting. Absolutely. I think I think the interesting part, though, is is that some of these companies are led by vegans. So it, it is interesting. That's, that's where true. it gets very interesting. Um, super, super so that's that's a different but, but that's a different um, episode. And that's something maybe we should explore in like <laughs> a dedicated a dedicated chat sometime. So what there's a lot of news this week. Um, what what else caught your caught your eye? Yeah, so. I saw the the news about Mulek Science. So it says they developed a soybean that tastes like pork, designed to enhance the taste, appearance, texture, and nutrition of meat substitutes. And they use molecular farming. And they're going after a patent for it. Cool. Um, the reason this is interesting, so I've talked to Mulek before a couple of times, and um, I I didn't I, I still don't know if I understand exactly what the planned approach is for actually getting this into the, the foods themselves, the end products, because it's really interesting. They put up a picture. It looks like a soybean. It kind of looks pink on the inside. I don't know if that's actually what it looks like, or they're just trying to mimic this idea that it's pork-like inside. But I originally thought that they were using molecular farming, so using soybean as the bioreactor, in essence, to create these proteins. And I thought that they would be then extracting, going through an extraction process to get the pork protein and then put the pork protein into products. But if they are possibly able to just put whole soybeans into products and it tastes like pork, then there's a bit of an unprocessed nature to it, a health component, an added health component to it. And if they could do all that with the taste of pork, that's super interesting. I don't know which one they're doing. Are they processing it and extracting the protein or is it, or do these soybeans taste like pork? And hey, Mulak, if you're listening to this, like, let me know, because that seems super, super interesting, but Really cool. I wanted to bring that one up. Yeah, very, very cool. I, I'm interested from a taste point of view because of course, a lot of people have arguments around this, but uh, and but of course pork is something we discuss a lot in Asia because it's the most consumed meat, especially in Chinese-based societies um, where I am. And the juiciness of pork, of course, comes a lot from its fattiness. And so mm -hmm. it's interesting just culinary perspective is taste is fat part of taste. And in that sense, I don't see how you could molecularly engineer the soybean to have that, that fattiness. Um, so it'd be interesting, Thanks. but maybe you yeah, could, but I wonder if you can add fat to yeah, it. You and add cultivated fat or, 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 you know, precision fermentation fat with the, the, the soybean tasting the, you know, the pork tasting soybean. Wow. Then you're really in business. That's quite interesting. Um, yeah, so again, I have heard on that idea of taste and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a scientist, right? But I've heard that the taste does come from the muscle cells, the, the actual meat cells. Um, but that the ability to taste it is only there when there's a fat associated with it. like something about the fat allows you to taste the taste that comes from the so muscle then cells. that's that's so then that's so, so my question to Mulek is like are you what's your what's your fat plan so I'm gonna have to follow yeah. up with that so but certainly very interesting and of course molecular farming is a new pillar of 
you know, alternative protein. It's one that GFI, the, the industry's kind of leading think tank has been pushing more. They did a paper on it as part of their major yearly report. Um, and it certainly, for most consumers, I don't think they're aware of what it is. There's still very few companies in the space, a handful, maybe less than 20, and very interesting what that technology can do. So it's going to be really, really interesting to, um, to, to, to watch that space. Right now, a lot of it is being used for dairy proteins to create meltable, the casein that makes cheese meltable. So this is a kind of a different approach. So yeah, very, very cool Definitely. story. One story well, that's- What about, what about for you? Yeah. Yeah, what, one what, story what, that stood out to me is Next Gen Foods, the makers of Tyndall. Um, they just signed a deal with a German media company, sort of a media for equity deal. I found it quite interesting. Um, the idea is, you know, I mean, we don't know the exact details, but the idea is this, this media company is, is investing in Next Gen um, and, and in, in this media company is, is well known in Germany for helping startups um, kind of gain media exposure and, and deals and partnerships. And um, what, what interests me about this is that I, I've been a bit of a, a critiquer of this of our space in that I think there hasn't been enough attention on, on the media and on partnerships and on engage, consumer engagement and on good campaigning and on better branding. And we're doing a lot of content around that at Green Queen. And I think, um, I think everyone I talk to sort of seems to agree behind the scenes, um, even though if that's not the line the industry is towing publicly. And so this this story stood out to me as, as quite an interesting strategy. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, it shows that brands are starting to pay more attention to this idea of like, okay, now we need to really start engaging with the public and we need to start figuring out our narrative and, how we're going to talk to consumers and what's the plan for consumer education and better branding. And so, so this just stood out to me. It's interesting um, in a I space agree. that is missing a lot of attention and focus on media and branding. No, I fully agree. And I mean, if you're a B2B company behind the scenes in the supply chain, then this, this would not make sense. But if you're B2C, a lot of the ability to grow and, and, and not only just grow, but get repeat customers is, your ability to connect with the consumer, right? So like the focus really, this just shows I'm taking it super seriously, this idea of how to connect with consumers and um, and and build the brand and the relationship with who they're selling to. I think it's really cool. I think it, it's, uh, it's a unique approach to um, selling your equity, right? But also building the company. So it's it's really cool. Yeah, I have to say, I do think the next gen team, they, they, they have some interesting moves up their sleeve always. And they, there seems to be, some strategy around, around, they, they really, I like, I like how they think strategically in general. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be interesting to watch. They, certainly they, they have a, a very fun brand. They're one of my favorite brands um, in terms of how they approach speaking to the customer, because they're very much about enjoyment of food and the social aspect of food. And they kind of leave the other side, the health, the environment, the, the, the ethical side you know, they, they don't focus on that. It's really all their imagery is about enjoyment and having fun. And I've always really liked that. Um, and well, speaking on that idea of enjoyment, <laughs> that's actually the perfect segue into yeah. like the final thing, right? Yeah. Where yeah. Something positive and, 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 and something that stood out in a good way. It's this idea that impossible foods 
debuted what they're calling the indulgent burger, a premium version of its original burger, which promises to be juicier and meatier. I don't know how you necessarily measure that, but that's what they're saying, right? Um, and I really am excited by this, not only because, of, yeah, I'm sure it tastes awesome. I can't wait to try it. But I feel like in our industry, there has been a lot of talk saying taste, texture, experience, the whole that whole experience is the most important thing, not nutrition or anything like that. And then there's others that say, no, 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 it has to be healthier, right? It can't be hyper-processed. That's why this will never work. And I love the idea that we're now going to have the opportunity to see what's true. Because this indulgent burger, if it tastes unbelievable and they're saying, screw health, health is out the window. This is a burger and you're supposed to like it. If this is super successful, then it'll show consumers want a burger at the very least that just tastes really, really freaking good. But if it doesn't do well, then it'll show, okay, that is not the most important thing for plant-based. And we're going to get to mm. find out. I like that. So this is like kind of your bellwether for the industry. This is such a cool story because it really wraps up everything we've been talking about. One, you know, you've got O-Meat going for the beef burger. Why? Because let's be honest, the beef burger is the essential, the quintessential American meal. Two, you've got Mulek trying to get that that taste of pork in there. And we're talking about whether it's the fattiness or does that, is it the juiciness or the fattiness that makes the taste of meat? And, and so this is going to, I really can't waste to taste the, the indulgent burger and, and understand better. Is it juicier? Is it, is, is there, is it more heme? You know, is it, is it more of that bloody mm -hmm. kind of feel that, that impossible really kind of pioneered with their first burger? Um, you know, and then of course the, the the Tyndall story. You know, this idea of enjoyment and food and and media and and I think Impossible is saying, you know, we're not we're not trying to compete with your you know healthy kale salad. And you know, I, I'm I'm all about that. I mean, it's so funny as a non-American to watch um, American um, kind of consumer response to foods. I mean, you don't see French people going, oh my god, you know, foie gras is not healthy. You know. It, it, you know, it really is like, oh, no, you know, that's it's it's got its place for a culinary enjoyment purpose. And it, for for, you know, for French people, that's enough. And mm -hmm. in America, you know, we, we need foods to be everything. They have to be ethical and they have to be healthy and they have to be delicious. And and it's sort of like, do they or, or I mean, who is eating a burger and thinking I'm making the best choice for my heart? and my my body i don't know maybe maybe people are or maybe they're wrapping it in a sad oh of lettuce taking out all the condiments and the beef is like 99 percent lean i don't know but i like that impossible is sort of saying no let's just have a delicious burger and and recognize that most people when they're having burgers are looking for enjoyment and, and yeah. also guys it's okay to want to enjoy your food um, it's also okay to say that we also need kale salads. I mean, we just, why does it always have to be one or the other? I don't know. That's my rant, but I like that impossible is kind of throwing caution to the wind. And I like your point about this is going to really, this is going to, this is going to be interesting. Although let's, let's see if impossible shares data about this. And, and if, that's if true. we, I, I mean, how are we going to know? I, I want to know more about how we're going to know. We're going to have to, try and get Mr. McGinnis on here to talk to us. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. And and I agree. And and it's it's 
it's it's first of all but, but just to quickly hit on this i really hope no one whether you're in the u.s or anywhere you are eating a a burger and thinking this is straight up good for me there are much better things to eat if it's good for you so please just like reevaluate your nutritional approaches if that's how you're thinking um but but yeah i can't wait to see how this goes and it's funny i don't know if you know uh brian cateman of the reduced Terry i love him. him and he wrote He's a great piece about this exactly yeah. yes i but know i was thinking about it being like i just want to create something that is so unhealthy so bad for you but he has been but saying that good. for ages Right. He's so great. And his piece on the indulgent burger is a, is a must read. Most of what he writes is a must read. I am a fan of him. He, he really, he really calls out the industry where it needs to be called out. And I think he really seems to have a finger on the average person's pulse. And that's really important, but, um, but I don't think we as an industry have learned all the lessons that he is, he is talking about, or he's trying to teach us. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, go go team and impossible. Um, I can't wait to try it. Let's see when they launch it in Asia. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. And we'll be back next week with a lot more news. I thought it was going to slow down for the summer, but no, it's still crazy. Always crazy, but that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. See you next week. And thanks a lot, Steve. Talk to you next week. Bye.